You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast with Josh Tolley, Bethel Duran. Thanks to everybody who continues to support us every single week on iTunes, on Spotify, uh, all that other good stuff on YouTube. Tolley, you made an impression last week with the young man, uh, Alan Trejo. Uh, you now know where Boyle Heights is at. You know where East Los Angeles is at. So much so that Ricky Romero had to go buy an East LA hat. Look what he's wearing right now for you, Tolley. Just for you. Uh-huh. I'm still waiting for my East L.A. hat. <laughs> Ricky, imagine taking Tolly to East L.A. Uh, I don't think he's right. I'd, I'd fit right in. Are you, you kidding me? You know what? He might, man. He might. Rick, how you feeling? Good, man. Everything's good. Still lacking sleep with the new baby, but we're good. <laughs> A little baby's all right. Uh, that's good. Good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. Uh, Tolly, uh, I know you're coaching, and I know you're a farmer, and... Uh, Dude, does your hair get a little tighter? It looks yeah. Just got. That's why I'm a bit late, guys. It just got chopped up. My guy was really meticulous today. I said I got 15 minutes. Let's make it happen. Yeah. uh, Took me me right to the wire. Yeah. Right right behind the scenes, I called Tolly to you know talk to him about the show a little bit. You know, show prep, right, Rick? You know, like pitchers and catchers. You guys go over the scouting report. I wanted to do this today. Uh, Tolly's like he tell. What did you say? You're getting what? Getting chopped up. I'm getting chopped up. Yeah, that's the right terminology. Uh, yeah, so he says I'm getting chopped up. I don't know what that meant because remember, you're a farmer. So I didn't know if you're like maybe in the woods chopping wood or maybe that was your workout. Maybe I don't know. And then you're like, yeah, uh huh, uh huh. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm getting a haircut. Like this dude is like 15 minutes before the show, Rick. He's getting a haircut. He's ready for the people. That's what I do for the people. Yeah, it is. There it is. He, right. he, 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 he remembers Jordan MVP Barber. MV, MVP Barber. Give that guy a shout out. He needs more. He needs more, right? He needs more uh, attention. Wait. It's good, Ricky. The, the famous barber on the East Coast? Yeah, yeah, check him out. MVP Barber. Jordan yeah. MVP Barber on the Instagram. Yeah. Wait, you don't have an Instagram. Now you're shouting people out on Instagram? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's what he does. He told me he does. Wait, Tolly, you went to the famous barber on the East Coast that hooking up the Dominicans, no, giving him the flow? Not at all. Local guy, local guy. No, but I'll say, it, when you were in the bigs, you would go to that guy? Yeah. Yeah, $100 haircuts. Awesome. You come in the clubhouse. Everyone's gotten a haircut by him, man. Everyone. Yeah. Rick, you're bald. Boy, Even you Ricky there. got his haircut by <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Today's guest, I'm excited for it. Uh, I've never met the man, but I have no of him, watched him pitch, and I'm not trying to say because he's old, but it's pretty cool. Ricky, you had mentioned his name when we first started the podcast a couple of years ago, when like, oh, what are the potential people to have? A uh, 1996 Cy Young Award winner, three-time All-Star, World Series champion, Pat Henkin, who joins the podcast today. Pat, as I told you, this isn't your traditional baseball podcast. We don't care about what's going on right now. We don't care about uh, analytics and strat fear or whatever, all that other Rapzoto stuff. I want to know about like the amazing Pat Hankin and Frazier High in Detroit. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> all right, thanks for having me, man. Frazier High. Frazier High. 
15 mile road. Our Detroit broke up on mile roads, so Eminem was on eight mile. I lived eight mile. I lived like seven miles further north than Detroit, and uh, now I actually live on 24 miles. Isn't that funny? So I'm on west. Yeah, um, man, I just played shortstop, brother. I didn't even think I was going to be a college player. I was literally just uh, a shortstop in high school. I pitched in summer ball, and and um, I asked my high school coach if I could throw, if I could pitch. Eighth game my senior year, and I was playing shortstop since 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade, and um, I finally got the pitch because there was a we got rained out a lot in Michigan back there. Still do, and that um, we didn't have a chance to play both games back back, and I got a chance to finally pitch, and I pitched good. And he called me back in, and he said, "You know what?" He said, "You're right. We're a better team when you pitch." And I started, I started pitching, and and the next thing you know, he calls some colleges, and you know, I had a couple radar guns when I pitched, and then when I played shortstop, there were no, there were no scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Why don't they want to see me throw and run and hit? Come on!" And, uh, anyway, yeah. So then I, you know, next week I'd be pitching again, and there'd be five scouts. Then there was ten. And I got drafted. I couldn't believe it. I mean, looking back, I was I was just trying to help my parents pay for college, to be honest with you. And I and I and I had a half scholarship to a D one school in Michigan called Western Michigan. So I mean Fraser High is still still there and my buddy's got kids that go there. It's a trip. Yeah, I don't live too far from there right now. Dude, no nobody was paying attention to you and all of a sudden like, Hey coach, let me pitch and next thing you know your life has changed. That's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah, and you know what? It took some balls, too, to go in there and ask the coach. Because, you know, when you're a high school kid, man, a high school coach is like, you know, you're looking at like a legend. He'd been there 30 years. And, and uh, you know, for me to go in there and tell him that we're a better team if I pitch, you know, I, I was just telling him. And it was hard. I remember talking to my dad about it. But, yeah, it changed my life for sure. There's no doubt. I got a chance to get on the mound. and I threw 90 in high school. And next thing you know, I was getting drafted. Did Dang. you hit? Uh, I batted well in high school. I mean, everybody hit good in high school, man. Shit, I <laughs> not Ricky. I batted third. I mean, you know, I batted in the three hole, brother. Yeah, Ricky hit shortstop for Christ's sake. Either let off or hit second or third. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and the the reason I wanted to have Pat on, um, obviously he brings a lot of cool, fun stories that he's he's been through. I mean, he was in the prime of the Toronto Blue Jays when they were winning. He, I mean, I, I'm sure, I don't think I've ever told him this, but he had a huge influence in my career when when I joined the Blue Jays. I remember him coming in as a guest speaker when I got drafted in 05. It was him and Dave Steep, two Toronto legends. And I just remember being in awe of them when they'd walk in. And they, the best thing about them, though, it was like you sit there and and they would treat you just like as if, as if you were their teammate. You know, that that's how they were. It was never like that. You usually get veteran guys that come back and they think their shit doesn't stink and stuff like that. These guys were like the complete opposite. It's like they wanted to help you make make you a better pitcher. And I remember when I got to the big leagues, and I would still see Pat around in the or, uh, throughout the organization. And then eleven and twelve, he was with us uh, as a as a bullpen coach. And I just he he just had a big influence in my career. He he always tried making me better, and, and he kept it simple, man. We we always joke about this down and away up and in up and in down and away and and it was one of the things we'd always say hey, hey if you want to back a guy up up and in and then get that back uh get that uh down and away back back in your favor so it, it, it it's crazy to think what pitching has become nowadays and 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 how simple we used to keep it and the the terminologies we used to use that work 
And, uh, you know, a big credit goes to him. So that's the reason I wanted to have him. And, and for him to share his stories, I, I'm sure people will want to hear the, the cool stories that, that he has about the, the Blue Jays' uh, heydays when they were going good. You know, it's funny, Ricky, because in the role that I was in, I you know, there's a lot of times you, you fly into a city and you stay you spend a few days with some minor league players at the time you were in the minor leagues. You don't really feel like you're having an impact. And, and so when I hear something like this coming from someone like you who made a major league all-star team starting on an opening day and did all the things you did in your career, that makes me feel cool. I appreciate that. I, I, uh, you don't get to hear that very often from the players. A lot of times, you know, and even I was guilty of this. I didn't give some of the that I, that I really love. I didn't give them the credit that they deserved at the time. And I kind of, yeah. when I look back, I look back and think about what an influential Mel Queen, the guy Mel Queen was for me. It was unbelievable how he taught me how to be a pro, and and I, I wish I would have been able to tell him that in his to his face. So I appreciate it, man. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, hey, Pat, Pat, it's so true because we were actually talking, I think, last week or two weeks on the show about the importance of the veteran, the veteran presence. Right? You step into a different role when you retire, but what you brought to the younger the younger generation, whose now job is to pass it along to this the following generation that this is now becoming it's it's gone and i i remember sitting whether it uh be in the video room or in the um, where we'd have our meetings and and you and pete walker telling stories and talk pitching that's how we learn they don't do that anymore and as a matter of fact i think some some teams are 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 trying to start over and, and get rid of the old people and I think that's just it's it's garbage I, I would love to hear your take on it yeah no that's a great point I know like when I played all the coaches back when I played all were ex-players everybody was everybody right. was an ex-player and, hmm. and um, maybe the one guy may not have been an ex-big leaguer or he got to the big leagues and didn't stay for very long but he's a long time pro ball player you're right and those stories are when you soak, soak up all that knowledge you know we call it talking shop and and you know, it's it's just one of those things where, right now, the industry is is definitely going with a newer, younger, uh, more of an analytical-driven mind for a coach. I'm not so sure that it's the greatest method. I think that you need to have a blend. I, I feel like at times when you have great pe- people in baseball development, like player development, why not try to teach them and educate them the analytics and the terminology as opposed to hiring the 25-year-old who already has the analytical background and the knowledge. And now trying to have him talk shop and explain stories and know what it feels like to have this, the gate swing open at Yankee Stadium and your heart's pounded through your jersey, or yeah. you know you're two, yeah, you're three two and the bases are loaded and you know the feeling that you get on the mound when your heart's racing through your jersey that if you didn't play it's kind of hard to to share that and experience that with someone. Yeah, yeah I, I, I say I, I think there's a place. There's definitely a place for it, but but the the knowledge, I, Pat, I use today. One thing, a thing that I picked up from you when when you were the bullpen coach, was if you get stuck, just go fastball down and away. And I tell my high school kids that all the time. I said, anytime you get stuck when you're calling a game, Pat Hankin told me, call a fastball down and away. I still yeah. use it, and and it's something well, that that nobody else can tell you any different. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I got the chance to bat in the National League, and I remember getting up in the batter's box, and, you know, I hadn't swung the bat since high school pretty much, and, and interleague play, and I get up there, and, and the ball was outside corner, and he called it a strike, 
And I looked at the umpire and I just kind of looked at him and I said, that's on the plate. He goes, yeah, he goes, that's right on the corner. It looked like I couldn't hit it with a tennis racket. It looked so far away. <laughs> I mean, I remember thinking, you know, as a pitcher, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, quit giving these guys so much credit. Let's just go down and away. Uh, nobody hits that ball well. Now, the, the hard thing is to execute that pitch. Right. You know, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I can attest to the same thing. When my first career at bat against Cole Hamels, he threw a fastball down and away and I was like, I look back I, at Carlos Reese, and I was like, "That was a strike," and he's like, "Dude, it's right on. The, it's right down. It's not even paint, you know. It, it's 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 a strike." And I was like, "Oh my God, how do these guys hit that?" And it, and it, and it, and I think it, it goes back to what you're saying, having a blend. I think that's what this game is missing: having that blend of 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 having the veteran guys, having guys like you said. It, it's different when you're warming up at Yankee Stadium, when you're warming up at Fenway Park, and you're about to go face a big poppy. A Dustin Pedroia, a Kevin Euclid, a Victor Martinez, and 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 you're just no, nobody can teach that more than the guys that have done it and have been there. So having the perfect blend, I think, makes the perfect sense in, in, in this. And I feel like it's it's been a little bit uh, swaying that way towards let's worry about the numbers, let's worry about the spin rate, rather than hey, let's 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 all blend it together and see what kind of mixture we get so that we're successful. Yeah, and Pat, this isn't the uh, come on here and bash everything about baseball. We're not trying to sound like every single baseball analyst, but we <laughs> because we we're doing this because it's a labor of love, right? We we're not making money on this podcast, but getting to know Ricky over the years. And my background is I'm a sports reporter here in Los Angeles. I got to know Ricky interviewing him, and then he and I became friends and stuff like that. So we did the start of the podcast a couple of years ago when he officially retired, and just to hear people's stories. And I've always been fascinated. By the one percent that you guys are, less than twenty thousand of you have reached the level where you're at. Let alone the Winter World Series or Cy Young like you have. And I love hearing people's journeys. So take me back to Pat Hankin. How did you fall in love with baseball? Because that's the reason we're here. Because we love this game. Yeah, you know, love started early. I was a little guy. My mom always told me I love baseball. Threw it up against the house until my dad came home from work. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, definitely a hard worker when it came to baseball. Love baseball at a high level. That was my favorite sport. You know, I got drafted. I go to the minor leagues. You know, I, I didn't know anything about pitching. I didn't even know how to throw a breaking ball. I was all four-seam fastballs when I got drafted. And I learned how to throw my breaking ball in, high, in uh, the minor leagues. And matter of fact, an, an ex-pitcher, Steve Cummings, who uh, went in the second round that year, he actually taught me how to throw a breaking ball in the bullpen one day, you know, back then when I was in rookie ball. So, you know, I, I had a long drive. I played five and a half years in the minor league. Signed out of high school. I walked 90 guys in A-ball. I, I played three and a half years of A-ball. I, I played a double A, a triple A, and I got called up. I went to two winter balls. I played in four instructional balls. Um, so, you know, people don't realize that the path to the major leagues, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of being away from home and, and um, to, you know, to just show up, put your head on backwards and go out there and play and be a great big leaguer. It's just really, really rare, you know, I mean. I think back on my career, I, I think Ricky Henderson and maybe David Wells are the only two guys that I played with where I didn't see them do a ton of work. doesn't mean that they didn't do work. I just never saw them do anything, and they both were extremely successful. I mean, obviously, Ricky is one of the greatest <laughs> of um, Yeah, and then, you know, you, you just grind through the minor leagues. I mean, you're not really thinking about getting to the big leagues at that point. I think you're so far away. And then once you get to, like, double and triple A, you realize, wow, you know, I, I could be, you know, I could be called up soon. You know, you but, said he's Pat, you said you walked the guys in the minors at one point. What do you, what do you think? What what flipped the switch for you when 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 it came to that? Like, what was what was like that turning point where it was like, 
all right, I got I got to pitch to contact or else I'm going to be released. Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I buckshot my way and stuffed my way all the way up to AAA. I get to the big leagues. I'm running out of options. I'm in spring training and Mark Guy Corner, a soft tossing reliever for us, control guy, just got done pitching. This is my aha moment. I'm getting to it. He comes in after the one inning of work. He sits down next to me in my locker. I knew he pitched well. I heard the game online. I mean, I could hear the game on the radio. I said, hey, how would you do? He said, oh, it was wild. I said, how many guys did you walk? He goes, he looked at me like I, just, like I had three eyes. He goes, I didn't walk anybody. He said, I was wild in the zone. And I, remember, <laughs> and I remember driving home that day just going, what? Like, I'm not even looking at this the right way. Like, I was like in the zone. You know, yeah. that was like point control for me if I was in the box at that time, my mindset. And I remember driving home that day thinking, wow, I'm not looking at it the right way. And the next day, my mindset changed from that day forward. No and then way. every day, I'd get better and better at just locating my fastball. And to be honest with you guys, if it wasn't my fastball command, I probably don't play the last four or five years because my stuff wasn't all that great towards the end of my career. You know, I was probably 90, 88, 89, 90 with a hook, you know, a little cutter. You know, I had to and massage the strike pitch. That's 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 for you love though. Like that's pitching to me. That's you know, and and this is not harping again on on the the new school type stuff, but you don't see much of that. That's why now you're starting to see it a little bit more with guys going complete games. It pumps me up when you see that, you know. And, and I'm sure that's you too, Pat. I mean, it, to go a complete game in the big leagues is it's not an easy thing, you know, to get no. 27. And uh, and and this is like when you're doing it at 89, 90, 91, 92, that's pitching to me. And, and when you're able to do that, like you said, fastball command, fastball command. If you're a young kid listening out there, it, the fastball comes first. Everyone wants to talk about with the breaking ball and the change ups and the splitter and the movement of the ball. But fastball command takes you a long, long way. Pat, how did you get? How did how did you establish your like? How did you learn fastball command? Right? Is it something that that you practiced, um, or was it or the repetition or focus? Okay, couple things. Icorn's aha moment when he told me about being wild in the zone. That was a mindset. Then I, I, I someone told me I can't remember who it was. I think it was Mel Queen told me uh, we only got twelve minutes on the side. You know, let's get locked in. Let's make sure we get the best of it. So be the best practice pitcher you could be. That means command, even though you're sore, get the soreness out so you can work on pitching. And I think that that helped me a lot. And then the third thing was it came from a catcher, Josh. Uh, Pat Borders was our, our starting catcher, and I was young and just trying to get established. And it was um, I was still kind of pitching in the bullpen, kind of the six starter type guy, long relief, mopping up a little bit. And we were in the shagging in the bullpen, and the dog, uh, we were shagging in the outfield. And I said, who's got the best fastball command on the team? And he said, you do. And I don't know if he was bullshitting, but, man, what a boost. <laughs> what a boost. Yeah. I mean, day, I'm like, what? I walked around that, the whole day that day. I walked around like, what? I can't believe that. Mm. MVP of the World Series last year thinks that I have the best fastball command. Like, that really helped me. Even though he yeah. may have been You know, he could have been. I don't know. I didn't think I'd have to call him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that's the mindset, right? That's the mindset part. That is like it's confidence. You build the confidence. You 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 believe you can do it. It is. I remember I, I when I won the Cy Young my second half of the year. I didn't make the All Star team that year. The second half of the year, I remember laying in bed in like July, August, September, August, September for sure, August for sure. I remember laying in bed, you know, just laying in bed going through the lineup the night before, and I was just going out, 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 out down the line. <laughs> 
I was like, out, 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 out. And then when you're struggling, you're going into the same city, facing the same lineup, and you're like, oh my gosh, I got Brady Anderson, then I got Suroff, then I got Ripken, then I got uh, uh, Albert Bell, and you know, you're like, you, you know, it's amazing how much confidence is. I think yeah. that that's what separates some of the great players is how they stay so confident. I don't know how they yeah. do it. Wait, yeah, Pat, you said the year you won the Cy Young, you weren't even an All Star, right? No, I didn't make the All Star team that year. Then you know, how? We only took they only took ten pitchers, and only there was only five or six starters and like three or four closers. So you know you had to be the top four or five guys in the AL East or in the American League to make the All Star team. I think looking back, I think there was five guys that were better maybe that but year. But that kind of goes to like we're in our group chat that Tolly's not involved because Tolly lives on a farm and he only responds to texts like three days later, so he can't be invited to the group chat. But we have this where people get so fired up, especially fans, about what happens in April and May, and then you forget that. It's a long time before you get to October, and that's part of like your 1996 season. You weren't an All Star at that point, but then it just clicked, and you went and you were on fire the rest of the year. How did you do it? What did you do that year where you're like, "Damn, I'm the Cy Young"? You know, I think it was one of those things where all the innings I pitched in the minor leagues, I pitched like 150 innings for five straight years in the minor leagues, so I had a lot of reps under my belt when I got to the big leagues. And I, and, I, and I think that when I got to that second half, I just got in a sweet spot where my body physically and my mind ment- mentally just peaked, man, at that right time, where it was just like, holy cow, man. Physically, I'm, this is the best stuff I've ever had in my life. And my mindset is my most confident player I've ever been. And I think it was just a combination of both. And then, the, obviously, the results. When you just start having results like that, it's like you walk around, you know, Rick, you walk around for four days, man, with your head held high when you throw a CG or throw a good game. And, you know, yeah. it's just four days of love and life. And then, yeah. and then when you don't pitch well, it's like it feels like ten days. Of, of <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know that feeling of what you're talking about. Obviously, I didn't win at Cy Young, but you were there in 2011, and you used to tell me in, in my, my, my bullpen work, you're like, Rick, you can go out there and pitch seven innings today, huh? And I was like, yeah. And it was just a confidence. It was a confidence you, you of – And Ricky, Ricky, you could have done that. A one-day rest. That's how good your sides were. Yeah. Dude, I remember those those bullpens. You're so – like you said, you're so locked in. And it, it was like 15, 20 pitches, but it was like I, – I felt like I couldn't miss a spot. And I remember you and uh, Pappy would look at each other and you're like, oh, my God, that was just crisp, in, out, go out, go out uh, in two days and go throw seven, eight innings again, you know, and do it again and do it again. And I felt like that – that uh, uh, month in August and September, it was like so locked in that you just like, no matter what you throw, and like you said, it, you talk about the box, you're like, I can be wild, I can be wild as I can in that little box, it don't matter. If I miss a spot, it don't matter because it's gonna it's gonna be a swing and miss or it's gonna be an out. And then and, and that is just the confidence that you build. And I mean, again, it goes to listening to stories like you, you know, um, and I remember um, it, when I was younger, how Doc was so attached to you too, and I was like, "There's got to be a reason why a Roy Halladay is attached to a Pat Hankin when he comes in town." And I always wondered, I was like, "How can I get in there? How can I get in there?" And eventually, obviously, I did. But there, I feel like there was a reason why, like a, a guy like Roy Halladay um, looked up to you so much, you know. And and it, and it was cool to see that bond, and 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 you used to go watch him and do his thing and it was like dude this guy is unbelievable too you know and there's a reason why it kind of trickled down i feel like and i i started listening more and 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 in 11 it just completely changed for me 10 and 10 and 11. yeah you know it's funny because i always tell people that's the two reasons the blue jays traded me was roy halliday and chris carpenter 
<laughs> and these guys are coming into spring training. I'm going, what the? Six foot five, throwing gas with a nasty breaker. I'm like, these guys have a bigger body, threw harder. I'm like, holy cow, I'm out of here. <laughs> About a year later, I'm gone. And, it, you know, those guys were great. They were great rookies. Uh, Doc was a great rookie. He was all ears. He was a hard worker. And um, he used to throw over the top, as you guys know the whole story. But, yeah, great competitor. Loved watching him pitch. Matter of fact, he was a big reason why I went back to Toronto in 04. I had a chance to go play in Baltimore and other teams, too, the Dodgers, I think. And, you know, I wanted to go back to Toronto. I wanted to be back with Doc and Carlos Delgado and Vernon Wells at that time. And Doc was just uh, such a horse. I knew that if I slipped into Toronto, I could be the five-hole. And that's right where I needed to be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that was one of the big reasons. I love Doc. Doc was great. What a, hey, what a work ethic Doc had, too. I've talked to guys that have played with him in Philadelphia and the focus. I, I Just quickly, Brian Schneider was catching him. I was playing for the Mets at the time. We were in Philadelphia. And Brian Schneider was a guy that mentored me and didn't say a word to me while we were in center field warming up because Doc was pitching. The next night we went out, to, uh, that night after the game, we went out to have drinks. And Schneider told me that he, uh, Doc does not want him talking to the opposing team. And it, you, you talk about focus leading into a game. That's that's what that that's what he was. Oh yeah, no doubt. No. <laughs> when I was in player development role, he said, "Hey, can you come up and talk to a young pitcher we had in Toronto?" I said, "Who is it?" He said, "Sean Markham." I said, "What do you want me to say to Sean?" Because Sean blew through the minor leagues. He was a real talented kid. He was just yeah. Good. And um, uh, he said, "What do you want me to talk to him about?" I said, "I want you to talk to him about your work habits, how you work." Because he's like, I, I I used to watch you, and that's how I got mine. Blah blah. And I'm like, okay. So I drive up to Toronto and. I get up to Doc and I say, Doc, I go, why don't you talk to him? I said, you're freaking Doc Halliday, man. Like, you don't, like, what am I going to tell him? He's like, yeah, but you're not as big as me and you don't throw as hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I wanted Markham to kind of see a guy that was more like your size and threw like 90. And uh, I said, okay. So I so we get him in Jeff Ross's office. It was me, Markham, and Doc. And he I said, what's your deal, Sean? I said, you don't feel like you have to work hard to stay here? He says, Greg Maddox doesn't work hard. That's what I've heard. And I, that was his answer. And I remember saying to him, you think wow. you're Greg Maddox? And I said, you think you're Greg Maddox? He goes, no. But he said, I'm just, I just heard stories. He's pitched a long time. And I said, yeah. I said, and I told him the story about Wells and getting Ricky. And, and uh, you know, Doc was right. He, he didn't listen. He didn't work. And he was out of baseball pretty quick for a guy yeah. that was as talented as he was. And, look, I'm not, I'm not dogging with Sean. I liked Sean. I actually thought he was a hell of a talent, man. He could really pitch. I mean, he, he had some balls, man. He did. He had it all, man. He had the balls, the command. He had a great fish. He was yeah. good. The fish. The wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Speak English here. What the hell's a fish? Change it. It's a dead fish we used to call it. When you shake a guy's hand and they give you that dead fish, we just used to call it, you know, when you throw, you throw a dead fish fastball and kind of jerk the hitter off. <laughs> oh, all day long. I can listen to that. Now that that I, I that that term right there needs to be used instead of Rapsodo and Stratomatic or whatever and all that other stuff. Dead fish. That fish. All right. All right. Hey, Pat, it's funny because a lot of people always ask me about Doc and how he was, and I'm like, dude, he's actually as he was actually pretty funny when you got to know him and very dry humor. You know, a lot of people are always like, he's so serious. That yeah, he was serious. He was dedicated to his craft. But I always felt like he was, uh, he'd all of a sudden come out of left field and just with the funny joke. And you're like, wait, did Doc just say that? And everyone was like, 
fucking up. I know. You were, you were like scared to laugh around him. What? Can you laugh around him? I don't even know. And it, and Pat, that was one of those guys that would literally come into the clubhouse and could go and sit next to Doc Halliday. Like, oh, he, he was, was that really, guy? You're that guy. You really couldn't bother Doc, but he, Pat and him had that relationship where it was like, I, I, we can, I can go up to him and we can, we can shoot the shit. And they did, you know? And, and that, that's why I was always like, I want to get to that level where, where Pat comes and sits next to me and Pat is like chilling with me, you know, because I knew and I understood who he was and, and what he meant to the Toronto Blue Jays at the time, what he meant, you know, again, this guy was there when, when they won back to back world series, you know, which I want to dive into a little yeah. bit. And what it, I remember him always saying like, Rick, you think opening day is cool? You think opening day is cool? He's like, this shit was filled every single home game when we were here winning the World Series. And I was like, damn, every I was like, at every home game, like you're talking Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like it didn't matter. Like, it was sold out every single game. Yeah, and, and we're, I want to get into that World Series stuff too. <clears throat> Pat Haken, who I said I've never met you, but Ricky's just raved about when he comes back from like those camps that you guys do in, in Canada. He's like the stories with George yeah. Bell and Pat Hankin and he goes, we got to get Pat on the, on the podcast. And I, I guess you guys talked yesterday and you were kind of like, I don't know much about baseball today. And like, well, neither do I. And I get paid to pay attention. I don't care. I'd rather hear about fish stories and about these stories. These, I can never get tired of Roy Halladay's stories ever and the stuff you guys got. But as a kid, 1993, I'm in junior high and, uh, Joe Carter, walk-off homer, you're there, but you pitched in game three. So if you don't win game three, there is no Joe Carter. So because of you, Joe Carter got to have a walk-off moment, right? Yeah. You know, the, the World Series. Yeah. Um, I, I pitched game three. We split games one and two. I pitched game three. We draw. We get a three spot in the first. I go out. What do I do? I got second and third one out. The third, the three-hole hitter hits a ball down the line. Mahler's playing first. He always DH. We had Orly there, but we were playing against the lefty. And Molly, I'll never forget it, hands the ball to me, and the crowd was going crazy. We couldn't hear a word. And he goes, I'm sorry, I should have had that. That's what he said. <laughs> and I, I don't remember if he had it, but that's the type of uh, player Molitor was. You know, he was accountable. And, and anyway, and then um, we, we go on to win that game, and I pitched that game, and, and it was great. It felt great. I, I got lucky and got out of the first inning. And went on to pitch a good game. We scored a lot of runs. But I'll tell you what the coolest part about that World Series was. was game four. Game four, we come back and drop a three spot in the ninth and win 15 to 14. Yep. And we come in the locker room after the game. I'll never forget it. And it was 20. I get chills thinking about it. It was 25 guys in a circle all clapping at the same time, getting louder, 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 and louder. I mean, we just knew that we went up three to one. And we're going back to Toronto with our two aces, Guzman and Dave Stewart going in games six or five and six now game six comes and we're losing and i'm charting and those numbers are starting to get real screwed i'm getting nervous i'm like holy shit man we're gonna play 180 games and it's gonna come down to one game and i'm pitching it i just couldn't believe that and i'm scheduled to go game seven and what happens we get two guys on ricky and devo get on they just work the walk joe hits a ball right down the left field line and everybody in the stadium thought it was foul. Joe pulled so many balls foul. And for some reason, the baseball gods, man, they kept that ball fair and just went right over the wall. And I chucked that chart, and we started celebrating. And I'll tell you what, man, I, you're looking at the happiest guy in the world that shows balls take fair. I'll tell you this. I wanted nothing to do with game seven. Nothing. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, 
That's a true story. <laughs> now, all right. Now, you, Pat, you're, you have the chart in your hand. You see that ball. The videos I've seen, I've heard Sean McDonald's call on CBS, and then it just seems like it was, the crowd noise went on for like 10 minutes. How, how loud? How, what were you doing? Where were you? What was going on? I was at the edge of the dugout opposite where the manager sits on third base side, and we had, uh, I just dropped the clipboard and took off on the field. And, you know, it's funny. I'm claustrophobic, so I didn't want to be on the bottom of the pile. <laughs> yeah. You go back and look, man. I'm on the outside perimeter like I'm in some kind of a baseball brawl, you know. <laughs> Everybody's kind of looking at each other in those baseball brawls for the most part. And, um, yeah, anyway, I just remember being on the outside of the celebration. And, and um, yeah, just incredible memory, man. It just- hey, Pat, Pat, I want to ask you this. How how was it? I mean, you don't see lineups like that nowadays. How was it walking into a clubhouse and seeing all those names? And you're just like, holy smoke. Like, do we have a hole in this lineup? Like, how was it walking into the clubhouse knowing what kind of lineup you had as a starting pitcher? Oh, playing behind me, you talking about? It was incredible. Yeah, offensively. Oh, gold glove at first, Olerud. Bats 300 every year with, like, 2,500 RBIs. Alomar's Hall of Fame. Tony Fernandez is one of the greatest shortstop Blue Jay history. Kelly Gruber the first year. Ed Sprague the second year for those World Series teams. You talk about defenders. Pat Borders yeah. was like a, Pat Borders was like a four-foot piece of fence. He <laughs> and, and, and so he was so he was so tough, like all catchers, but he was a tough kid, man. He was a tough guy, and he played hurt. And uh, in the outfield, we had Joe Carter, very good defender, solid, always through to the right base, always hit the cutoff, man. Devon White, what are you going to say there? One of the greatest, yeah. arguably, yeah. Defenders, one of the greatest defenders of all time. So we were extremely solid. In the, we had great defense. Candy Maldonado played left field. Derek Bell was a young player, our fourth outfielder. We were stacked, man. We had a good team. Yeah. We had, so had where, did, where did Ricky play? Where did who? Ricky Henderson. Oh, was Ricky, he, he, sorry, Ricky was the second World Series. Ricky was the 93 team. You're right. It was Ricky. On my bad. We traded for Ricky. <laughs> yeah. How, oh, Pat, how could you forget that? Oh, I mean, we traded for Ricky's in the town. Before we got home. The year before we got David Cole at the deadline. That's right. You know? yeah. yeah. Our front office, who, man. There's a reason who, who, they're in the hall. Who, who, was, that was Gillick, right? It was Beeston and Gillick, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. I mean, that's doing that's it. Now, now we got to ask. Okay. Well, and then you had Jack Morris, too, right? I mean, he was another. And Dave Stewart. I, I hey, suck Stewart. on that. Yeah. yeah, suck on this. I'm in Venezuela playing winter ball trying to be the fifth hole. And I read in some paper that's like a week behind down there in Venezuela back then that the Jays <laughs> signed Jack Morris. I go, what? I'm coming, man. I'm coming with my hook. Making the team, I'm out of options. I'm in the bullpen. I just was long reliever that year, the '92 team. But we signed Jack Morris. I forgot. Oh, by the way, we had Dave Steve, Jack Morris, Juan Guzman, Todd Stottlemyre, Jimmy Key. Oh we traded for Cone. Wait, listen to this. We traded for Cone in our bullpen. We had Al Leiter, David Wells, myself, Hanky Ward, Timlin. Like, wow. Come on. Wow! Yes. <laughs> I can chill. Wow. Yeah. yeah, like that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. David Wells and Al Leiter, Boomer won 250 games. Yeah, you know, as a starter. Yeah, as a yeah. as Tom Cheek said on the radio call, "Touch them all, Joe. Touch them all." 
and you were like, throw that clipboard out of here. I don't want anything oh, to do with yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Now I got to ask, because I met Ricky Henderson when he was with the Dodgers at the very end of his career. So I got to be around it. And there's few people, I've been a longtime reporter, where you walk around, you're like, that person has a presence. Like, you know, Jerry West, Magic. Ricky Henderson had that presence of like, I'm a bad mofo. I might be 48 years old right now, but I will outrun you. I will outlift you. I'll do whatever you need right now. He was still jacked. You know, he had triceps and biceps and whatever steps you needed to have on his neck, all that stuff. What was Ricky like? Because we've heard all the Ricky stories, but how many yeah. of them are true? So I saw Ricky about five years ago. He still looks like he can play, by the way. Yeah. And I'm 52. He's probably 60. That guy is unbelievable. I guarantee that guy can go out and give you a good at-bat right now. You know, Ricky's confidence, we talked about it earlier, about his confidence and how important it plays for a player. I remember that uh, we were in the clubhouse in uh, Baltimore, and we were playing the White Sox in the ALCS, and um, uh, Dave Stewart and Ricky Henderson were old Oakland teammates, and they're sitting in the clubhouse for, as Blue Jays. You know what they're talking about? Who's going to get the MVP? <laughs> That's what they, I'm getting the MVP, Stu says. Ricky's like, dude, he goes, you are, you're only going to pitch twice. He goes, I'm getting the MVP. Goes, you know, and you know what? Stewart got the MVP. But let me tell you, Ricky only batted about 230 or 240, but his on base was probably 400 because of he, walk, he walked so much. And the confidence that he brought to our team and our lineup, yeah. and just it's just unbelievable how what a trickle effect a good, confident player that has results and has a good work habit and good work ethic, how, what an influence he can have on your team. It's amazing. You know? Dude, the Ricky stories you've heard, like yeah. obviously the one with him and Olerud is made up. That's the one yeah. that they've did. But the other one's about somebody told them like, Ricky, why are you sitting in the front of the bus? You got tenure when he was in San Diego. He's like, I, Ricky don't have tenure. Ricky got 20 year. You know, th that one I know has been true because Ricky didn't know what tenure meant. But like all the different Ricky Henderson stories, because... <clears throat> Ricky Romero, I don't know if you remember, you might be younger, totally might remember this because you're closer to my age, but Ricky wearing the oak, the blades in Oakland with the neon, like, oh, yeah. dude, did you ever face him, Pat? Oh, yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> the strike zone was like this. <laughs> um, he was so patient and with full side power, and you walked him, it was a double. You know, so, I mean, he was just a great – I've always said this. I think he's one of the greatest top five players, man. He was just such a great – he was a great defender. He could run the bases as good as anybody. He was a total game changer offensively. That guy was just so good because he could walk, you know. He, he emphasized on base percentage before the industry really emphasized it. You know, now they emphasize it a lot more. But I think the true baseball guys back then recognized how important it was that he walked. But – to add the 300 homer power and the lifetime 300 batting average, I mean, this guy was this guy was so good, you guys. It, it sucked facing him. I mean, it wasn't fun facing him. And then you got Murderer's Rope coming up behind him with Carney Lansford and Conseco, McGuire, Harold Baines, Terry yeah. Steinbeck. You know, that was a pretty good team. That was a tough lineup back then. And um, you, you, you just had to throw to Ricky, man. You did not want him on base. It was like, hit it. Then he you hit leadoff home runs, too. That was the thing, leadoff homers. And you're like, what the heck? Like, I haven't even watched the game yet. Yeah, he was awesome. Totally, you threw him out, didn't you? Yeah, no, I'm not that old. Jesus, I have gray hair, man. Holy shit, man. Hey, uh, it's funny, though, because Ricky Ricky would walk, and Ricky could turn a walk into a triple with, with no problem. Now, all of a sudden, he's a sack fly away. That's why, that's like the value of stealing bases and, like, 
how good he was as a game changer, as Pat says. Like that's what that's what made that team so disgusting was they could pop a ball out of the ballpark. They were on the board, I would imagine, even blink, huh, Pat? Oh yeah, I mean it was uh, like you said, man. It just sucked because then Ricky's on first. Now it's affecting the way I'm throwing to the second guy, and you know it just the guy before Ricky he affected. He was just a Hall of Fame player from the get go, and yeah, you know, funny story. I'm on the bus with him one time, and I sitting right behind me, and I lean behind him. I go, Hey, Ricky. I go, I go. Uh, Do you play high school football? He goes, Yeah. I said, Running back. He goes, Yeah. I said, Scholarship. He goes, Yep. Yeah. I said, Where at? He said. Anywhere. <laughs> I, said, I, go, I go, how good were you? He goes, you know, he goes, actually better. My, uh, my, what was it? He said his junior year, um, he was better. He said that he got tackled a lot from the side in his senior year. And he said the coach gave him some great advice. He said, when you get the ball, don't run. Once you get through the hole, don't run around anybody. Just run them right over. Because it's, you know, and Ricky said that that's when he just broke, like, every California record. He just said he, you know, just pancaked yeah. his poor high school defenders, you know. So I've heard stories that supposedly Ricky was a badass football player in Oakland. And he really did have <clears throat> the options of wherever he wanted to go. Like, he, he wasn't him just saying, yeah, it was, no, yeah. Like, what, what you you didn't? You didn't have USC, UCLA, whatever you you like. Ricky was like, yeah. "I'm gonna, I'm gonna recruit you. I'm gonna let you know I'm coming to your school." That's how Ricky was. <laughs> <laughs> was I, I, love, I love these stories. Love these stories, Pat. Uh, Pat, go ahead, Rick. No, I was gonna say, where do where did the Cy Young Award and the two World Series rings sit for you? Like, where 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 do you have them in your house, or do you have them away? Like, yeah, no, where, no, I have safe in the house my rings are in the safe and my Cy Young is a plaque as you guys know and I just have it on the wall right behind me you know right in front <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in my, I'm in my, yeah That's I wasn't sick. sure if I should have background I thought it kind of yes a little. no 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 on, on this show look I, I I show off all my fancy curtains right here behind yeah. me so we have all yeah. so if you want to show up you totally has that I, 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 I know you were there. Look, I, I show off my bat that I got my first base hit with. So, damn right, I'm going to show that off. I remember that. And an all-star team, too, dude. Yeah. Hey, Tolly, show off your calendar, bro. Show off that calendar from... Yeah, there's my calendar right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. See, nobody messes That's around. Fun. Look at that calendar from March. Tolly is still Pat. in spring training. Yeah, but Pat, you, Pat knows. Pat, you live out in the country, right? Uh, no, I live in the suburbs. I, I have property okay. in the country, but I oh, you have property. Yeah, but your cell phone doesn't work. Nothing works, right? I got to come to town to be able to get some internet service and a camera and all of that stuff. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, no, I, I have signal where I'm at, but my cabin's like that. Where my cabin is in Ontario. Yeah. You know, the cell <laughs> signal just kicked in about five years ago. Yeah. So no, I don't. Hold on. The important question: Did you get Did you get a deer hunt this year, Pat? Um, you know what? I didn't go this year. I didn't uh, make it over there. Our guys from California love hunting. So. <laughs> we love. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. We, we don't. We don't. We don't. We're, we're Mexicans from L.A., Pat. Mexicans from L.A., we don't know hunting. We know that hunting stories are all that the rage in clubhouses. We're invited to Pat's cabin, though. He's invited me a few times. I just obviously can't make it up there. But he's got a cabin up there where they chill and just you don't have to hunt. You just can go chill and talk shop. I'll do that. Hey, remember Burley's been there and Brett Cecil yeah. came up that one year? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. Drive on the ATVs. 
have some beers, grill out. What's who doesn't like that? Hey, hey, I got a beer sponsorship, Pat. We're coming. I'll go to you, Pat. That's fine. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> Tolly lives on this 200-acre farm where he's every single day he's fixing a fence or he's building a schoolhouse or so there's like he's falling off of roofs like a roof whatever how the plural form is yeah. whatever it is but we go to Tolly's he's gonna put us to work I don't want to do that there's no need for manual labor yeah come to my place what okay uh, Pat, Rick let's go get the private jet Rick we're going <laughs> hey Pat well, I wanted I, I, I wanted to tell our listeners this story about when Ciro. Uh, in the all-star were you in the all-star game in baltimore when he got booed oh, oh yeah yeah. What, yeah what was the reasoning behind it so we talked about it earlier i mentioned it earlier how back then they only took 10 pitchers and you know some organizations would be like hey if you don't if you don't can you try not to pitch this guy because we don't want to pitch him or whatever so Cito called Mussina and i into this office before the game and said hey you guys are young you know you're going to make another all-star team I'm not pitching you guys today. So I just want to let you know that you're not going to pitch. I'm pitching the older guys. This might be their last all-star game. And I remember walking out of his office thinking, man, is that guy smoking crack? Like, what is he thinking? I, make another all-star game? I was like, what's he mean? And I remember thinking that. Of course, we seen his walking out like, yeah, I'll probably be the 10 because he was just great. And uh, so I, I, uh, we go into the dugout. We walk out for BP. Didn't think anything of it. We go out to the bullpen. Moose and I know we're not pitching. Moose is scheduled to pitch, I think, three days out maybe after the break. He tells the bullpen coach, who was the Blue Jays' bullpen coach at the time, I want to throw a side. And so they just start getting up and throwing a side. Well, the whole stadium just erupted thinking that Cito was warming them up to bring him in the game. And when Cito didn't bring him in and he brought in his established hometown Toronto Blue Jay oh. Dwayne Ward to close the game out, Everybody went crazy, like, what an asshole. He's, he's in a song. Oh, shit. So, oh. now, this poor manager, every time he goes into the Baltimore, he's got to wear the Cito Sucks shirt all the time. Everywhere, <laughs> where, you know, it was really a raw deal. I, I'd like to hear Musina's side of the story, but that's kind of what I thought would happen. Um, I don't know if he called down the dugout and said, hey, ask Cito if I can throw a side. Because, like, when I was a bullpen coach, you don't want to call the dugout. You know, if you guys ever be a bullpen coach, the last thing you want to do is have to call the dugout for any reason. But I had to call a dugout in this particular time to say, hey, Bruce Walton, is it okay if, uh, you know, such and such Jason Frazier throws a side? And then he'll say, yeah, it's okay. We're not going to use him today, blah, 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 blah. Click. And I don't know if Messina did that, but that's what happened. Whoa. And the crowd went crazy. Yeah. So everybody was oh. pissed at Messina from a Blue Jay standpoint. We were pissed because we were like, come on, dude, you could have thrown your side, love. After the stadium, we could have went in the batting tunnel, hit it in the cage. Like you didn't have to do it out here in your home crowd. Now I do was get a point. He was probably he was probably pissed because he wasn't going to pitch, and it was his hometown. Yeah. And he could have been thinking the same yeah. thing as me. Like you lost your mind. I'm not. I, you know, I'm going to make another All Star team. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Just get, yeah. Had, give me. A, yeah. Give me a couple outs. This yeah. is this is why. Yeah. I, this yeah. is why I hold. I I tell the group chat all the time. I hold not a not a not like a hateful grudge against yeah you do yeah you do but i mean i mean my one and only all-star game and and he used all the the ricky sorry 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 i cut you off uh, set that story up again who do you hate no i (laughs) i just he didn't use me man who 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 who? washington ron washington okay yeah like 
he used it was like Gio Gonzalez's first All Star, Michael Pineda first All Star, Brandon Leagues first All Star, and they all got used. Even uh, uh, some of the guys like Gio Gonzalez came in for one out, and I was like, dude, just give me an out. Just like I just wanted one out, and and he's like, oh, they told me before before the game, it was like, oh, if the game is tied, you're gonna come in, and I was like, the odds of that happening in an All Star game, I mean, it happened once, and obviously it was a shit show, but I was like, just we we knew we weren't coming back. Give me an out. The, there was yeah. only two two guys that didn't throw. Me and Jose Valverde, who at the time was an elite closer, so he was making All Star games every year. And I was like, just give me an out. I just want to say I pitched in it. I mean, obviously, I could say I was an all-star. Yeah, cool. But I would have been even better if I got a chance to pitch in it. I agree. So my first all-star game, I didn't pitch at all. Then in 97, I make the all-star team again in Cleveland. And I'm shagging and I'm shagging. And Mel Stonemark comes up to me and goes, hey, uh, I doubt you'll get in today. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And, I don't, and he didn't realize that I didn't pitch in the first one, I'm sure. And Clemens was standing next to me. I'll never forget this. And Clemens goes, I'm not pitching in the game if we don't get him in an hour. That's freaking and, awesome. Yeah, isn't that sweet, man? That's freaking and, awesome. And Mel Stottlemyre goes, "All right, man, I'll get you. I'll get you an inning." And I got to pitch a whole inning. <laughs> well, I got. But I, I, hey, you I, know what? I would not have said anything. It was freaking the rocket, man. I had like this flames poster in my minor league dorm. When I, was in the- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a lot. I have a lot of respect for him now. Yeah, dude, he was a great teammate, man. He was a good I love dude. That. I like- I liked playing with him. He worked hard. He helped me. He wasn't a guy that would go around and give information out. Like Roy Halladay and Carpenter told me they learned more from me than they did from Clemens. But that was personality differences. I'm more outgoing and more of a talker. And Clemens is more introverted and just kind of stayed to himself. Remember, when you're like at that status, like Nolan Ryan, man, you're just getting pulled so many different avenues. Like it's yeah. different. It's hard unless you're in that situation. Hey, Pat, was, you, you, said he, you said he had to pack up his locker, right? Before every start? He had to pack up his uh, his equipment bag. He had to leave his glove and his jersey separate and his hats because he would get to the next city and they would unzip his bag. Even if he locked it up and stuff, they would break into it and steal his jersey or his game glove. And it's like, gosh, man, you know how it is to lose your gamer. So, you know, the jersey you can get back, no big deal, but it's the gamer that, you, that sucks. So, yeah, he would carry He used to call it the men in black. He'd carry, like, the silver case. And I said, open that up, man. I want to see what's in there. He opened it up. He had two... Baseball gloves. Listen to the company he used. I think it was called Worth. Like, do you remember that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah the Worth kids? gloves. Yeah, the best. Yeah, name is like Rawlings or Wilson or Spalding <laughs> or Nuno or. And I remember laughing at him, going, you, "Dude, you're the Rocket. You're using a Worth glove. You know, he's like, come on, Pat. Come on, Pat. You know, yeah." That's hey, I, I, I was telling Beto, I was like, you got to tell a story about him um, when he was icing his arm. You, I know you've told it many times to me, but God, I never get tired of hearing that story. Told, listen to this story. So he's pitching in Toronto, and he, it's against the Mariners. He only had like two bad games the whole year. I think Grippy takes him deep in the second. He hits Sorrento for no, for no reason, just to do it. And then five <laughs> innings later, Grippy takes him deep again, and – the inning ends, and he comes in after the seventh inning, and um, uh, he's not a. He, he takes his. He walks, says goodbye. He goes into the clubhouse. He puts his elbow in like a half tire, like a car tire, and then he's got a bag here and a bag in his back on his lap. He was a big icer, and he's sitting there, and he always wanted me to come in and talk to him about his start 
he liked to just talk a little bit after his games. He'd come in and ask me about pitches selection and blah, blah, blah. He was big on whether he was tipping his pitches. He always asked me that, too. So then he's watching the game on the monitor. Well, sure, shit, man. The Mariners retaliate, and they hit our first hitter. What does he do? He pulls his shit out of the ice. He grabs all his wet stuff. He puts all his wet shit back on. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going back in the game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, he walks back down the tunnel, out to the dugout, walks right over to Tim Johnson, the manager, and says, give me one hitter. Johnson goes, you got it, Clem. They inning ends. Because remember, he wasn't officially out of the game. Inning yeah. ends. They go back out and warm up. Who do you think's leading off? Paul Sorrento. I'm like, you got to get me. Unbelievable. And what does he do? Wallops him right in the side of the ribs again. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. And nothing happened. Sorrento was just completely pro. He knew it was coming. They retaliated when they thought Clemens was out of the game. They didn't. They made a mistake. And uh, <laughs> for the reliever to come in. Yeah, that's a true story. He pulled his shit out of the ice. And, said, oh. and you know, when, players, when all the players out about that, like Josh, you know as a position player, you're going to be a little on edge on a day when Clemens pitches. You bring a little more to your game that day. Because Ed Sprague's a good friend of mine. He played third every day for six years with me. And he said, when you and Clemens pitch, he said, there's a little different edge with us. He said, he goes, yeah. it's just what better. He said, a good starting pitcher does that to the team. You know, they always say it's not, your momentum's only as good as your next day's pitcher. You know, now today it's like seven of a lever. You know, like my buddy says, who's playing for the Tigers? Or who's playing the Tigers playing? It's Jack Morris against Dave Steve. You know what they say now? It's seven relievers against six relievers. Yeah, and that's, that's right. A big, that's a big thing from a fan standpoint. When I was yeah. a kid, man, it was, man, let's go see Kershaw. Let's go see Scherzer. You know, let's go see Jack Morris. Now it's let's go see six relievers against seven relievers. You know, yeah. that, 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 that should change. They should try to change that. You're right, Pat. That is so true. I grew up in St. Louis. That is exactly. We would go to games because of who was starting. Right. That's what you did. That's what you That's didn't what know what you were going to see. You could have saw a no hitter. You could have saw a perfect game. You could have seen a beanball fest. You just <laughs> didn't know. That's just what exactly. it was back then. I loved it, dude. Yeah. The rocket, man. That's a good story. Uh, let, let me let me pull up this picture right now that we got. I found some images of the rocket's glove. Um, you're right. I forgot. A worth. Is it worth? It was a worth. This is what he had as a rookie. There it is. Is a rookie all star card, uh, a worth card, like I mean, a worth glove. And then later on in his career, he started using Louisville Slugger glove. He had a deal with them where uh, TPX, which was the bat, right? Everybody had a TPX bat. Clemens is the one who gets the TPX glove, and it was the Rocket Man series glove. So yeah. he had his own little patch on there. Like Rocket was, Man on there, guys, like I never would have thought that Louisville Slugger and Worth is what Roger Clemens was using. Like, who would have thought that? But yeah, you're right. Get paid, homie. Get paid. Yeah, <laughs> Clemens was awesome. You guys would have loved him. You guys would have loved playing with him. That's it, man. That's, uh, that's great. We have a teammate who can do that. Who can just like, I mean, I'm sure that that his hitters respected him even more when he would do stuff like that. Like, hey. uh, don't 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 hit one of my guys because I'm coming after one of your guys. You know, oh, to hear yeah. that stuff. Especially when you ice your arm out, your arm is like completely frozen. I don't even know how the hell you even <laughs> threw a ball. Because <laughs> when you're pissed, was, you're gonna hit somebody. When you saw that, Pat, you saw that though, were, were you like, oh, did you just like run back to the dugout and you're like, I gotta see this? <laughs> Wait. Oh yeah. Plus, you know there could be a brawl too, so you don't want to be in yeah. the brawl. 
Hey, Pat, did anybody ever uh, charge you, Pat? Oh, man, I got lucky. So um, I had Mo Vaughn. Uh, Nomar Garcia Parra owned me. I did something that was really bad. I, I threw up and into no, Mo. And you got to remember, Mo is like David Ortiz. He had a big elbow pad. He hung right out over the plate with his, uh, you know. And, you know, it literally you could hit his elbow pad. It was almost a strike kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I drilled Mo, and he kind of hesitated. He didn't come out. And then I had one other issue with uh, Chad Curtis when um, I, I had to do that. That was to protect my players. Uh, not, we did have a brawl, but it wasn't Chad Curtis. Chad Curtis got hit, went the first. Tim Salmon comes up next. He hooks the ball down left field line for a two-run dinger. He's running around third, and he looks at Sprague and goes, ah, F you, that's two. That's what he says to Sprague. And Sprague, that you know, I don't know, you guys don't know Sprague. Sprague, he just wants to fight the whole Anaheim team now. You know, he's like, <laughs> saying, yeah, you want something, you know, like that. And then Chad Curtis and the bench is cleared, and he's yelling at their dugout. I didn't throw the ball at him. I didn't hit Chad Curtis. You know, that's what he's yelling. And, and oh, yes. But I never had an actual guy charge me. I'm thankful that Mo Vaughn did not charge me. He's twice my size. But, uh, <laughs> no, you got to retire, man. It's pro ball, man. You've got to defend hitters. Josh, did, and that's one thing we don't really hear about nowadays. You know, everyone's like against all that. Like, oh, like you hear you hear Bowers interview about, oh, um, you know, you got to dish it out and you got to be able to take it, which I understand that. But there comes a situation where you do. There's situations, and, and Josh knows this being behind the plate, where you have to protect certain guys. And yeah, the game the game polices the game should police itself. Yeah, I like the, the show. I'm not I, I'm not much of the showboating. I, I kind of go against what Trevor Bauer says. The game should take care of itself, but the players police themselves. That's how it's always been. And we're slowly moving away, whether it be the meal money or the, the guy, guy gets drunk, we don't protect the other guy, or a guy pimps a homer. I, just all those things. Like Just let the players police the game and hey, everybody stay out of it. Who was the guy that you were – did you ever hold back the guy and you were hoping he didn't charge the mound? Because you are like, oh, shit. I yeah, don't want this Prince, Prince Fielder was trying to kill Tim Burdak one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I was following – Tim Burdak uh, – Prince Fielder rolls a ground ball to second. He's running down the line, and I'm kind of trailing behind him, and Burdak starts yelling at him for – no, I don't know what for. And Prince hits first base and takes after Burdak, and I grab Prince Fielder. Then uh, Remember Casey McGee? Yeah, K- Casey McGee walks up to me and he's like, "Let me take him. This guy might kill you next." I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, "What about talking about uh, you know showing people up? What about that lefty pitcher for the Reds who had that punch out and then he kind of like taunted the dugout?" Yeah. Like, Amir Garrett, the Mets. Amir Garrett, no. Yeah, Wait, I, I, the, uh, Amir Garrett, the Mets. Uh, Amir yeah, Garrett Rizzo, is a lefty p- pitcher. He punched uh, Rizzo. Like, he punched him out, and then he's, like, yelling at him. And it's like, I get if it's a big situation, but if you're – right, you're showing somebody up there, like, for no reason. You know, like, to me, th- there's a place to, to like, fist pump and, yeah, let's go. But to do it there and, and you're looking straight at him, you, yeah. you, 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 want, uh, you want something to happen. Here's a classic example of policing yourself. The other day I saw highlights of the, the, the Brave player. Uh, he's really good, man. He can really hit it. I think his name's Marcel Azuna. Yeah. So say, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, they're losing 7-1. This dude hits a solo bomb in the seventh and does a selfie around first. Like, come on, man. Like, you're losing 7-1. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just – in the dugout when I played, a guy like Jack Morris or Clemens, not even Clemens, but more like – 
Dave Winfield would have just grabbed you by the neck and said, what are you doing, son? Like, we're losing 7-1. to one. You know when I played with Cal Ripken? He didn't even want to high-five until the game was over. And I'm like, okay, yeah. now that's, that's a little extreme. Like, I like that. <laughs> I like being having, having fun in the dugout. Like, that's part of the game. I love having fun. But, yeah, I remember Ripken going, why are you celebrating? We haven't won yet. And I remember thinking, okay, come on, man. That's a little, you know, I played with Cal's last year. That was a little too hey, old school. Did you tell him that? Did you tell him, hey, Cal, come on, line up. But you got to tell him, like, hey, Cal, look, I've won a, world, I've won a world Series, Cal. What have you done? Like, come on. <laughs> back to back. Not the game for 20 years. Yeah, Iron Man, blah, blah, blah. Give me a high five, bro. No, and, it, and it's funny. Like, little lessons like that. I remember my rookie year. Yeah, it was in my rookie year. And, and I remember a hitter lined out. And you know how they walk into the dugout and usually you pat them on the on the, on the butt or something. And, and Lyle Overbase sat me down. He's like, hey, man, don't, don't pat him in the back. He's like, do you want to be patted in the back after you give up a run? No, then don't fucking do that. And I was like, all right, and and never again, never again after a guy got a hard out, I never I never did it, and it, and it's true. Like the guy's already pissed because he just like pissed on the ball and and, and he got out. Yeah, and you're sitting there saying good job, good job for what? I, it's it's an out, you know. And 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 from there on, I just I never did it again. I I was like that makes sense, perfect. I respect that. Boom, sit down. Right. You know? Yeah, it's like when people, like when guys miss a free throw and everybody gives them a high five. Fool, you missed a free throw. I ain't high fiving you. Like, get out of here. Like, like, good job, good job. Get out of here. And and, 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 I, and obviously, I didn't come in and like like Pat's talking like these guys were like veteran veteran guys, the Winfields of the world, and you know Devon White and John Olerud, Paul Mollard, or Jack Morris. All those guys. When I was coming up, we had a. I was probably the youngest guy in '09, um, but we had a lot of veteran guys. So it was just more. You're just learning and, and little lessons like that. That again, I feel like it's it's a it's a lost thing nowadays, and and the veteran presence presence isn't valued very much. Right, hey, Pat. What are you up to now? Uh, right now, you know, not a whole lot. I got let go last fall uh, from the Jays with uh, um, so. I'm not right now. I'm not working, and I'm driving my wife nuts. What do you think? That's what well, I'm doing. well, then that means you got to come back on the podcast uh, Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings. I think I think this is the one where the podcast where wives really want the husbands to go do the podcast. It's like, hey, good. Let, here's an hour and a half where I have some free time for myself. Uh, we're there, but the reason I ask is like because I know you're with the Blue Jays organization. Uh, Tolly's coach, Tolly played last year with the Yankees in their uh, organization, and you guys are still around baseball. Coley, coaching his uh, kids, but best advice you can give to nine, ten-year-olds right now, Pat? Because everybody's um, parent is telling them that, you know, you're going to be amazing. You're the number one right nine-year-old in the country. Like, you, yeah. your story, and you didn't even pitch in high school until the end. Yeah, I, I would say this. Don't specialize. Play all the sports. Have fun. The top 1%, if you're lucky, gets to play pro ball. And out of that group, we're lucky if you get one guy on every minor league team that makes to the major leagues and stays for more than a few years. So for me, I, I, I tell all the kids, work hard, be accountable, and, and, and have fun. Because because high school sports goes by so fast that 99% of us can't play after high school. For those of you that can, then it just the work hard just continues until you're done and they rip the uniform off you. And, and I think playing all the sports and playing multiple sports, I think playing football and being quarterback in high school for me made me a tougher pitcher on the mound. So 
I, I think that it really helped me become a tougher kid is getting walloped on the backside, you know, from a defensive lineman. And, um, yeah, so I would say play all the sports and work hard. It's really simple, right? Like, and every, yeah. we, the adults, right, Tolly? The adults make it so yeah. freaking complicated now that you're coaching and giving lessons. Yeah. No, it is very complicated. And I, I, I much stress the, try to stress the same thing, the importance of playing other sports. I think each sport, you learn something from it. And I think the football analogy is the best analogy because that's where, like, I've been trying to – I've learned a lot of, like, leadership stuff from my high school football. Other than that, I, I don't know that I would be the – where I would have been, to really? be honest. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Really? I got a cool story to tell about Gretzky. I read this real quick. I know we're hurting for time. No, 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 Gretzky. no, no. We're not hurting for time. We got, we got nothing oh. to do. We, we, oh, <laughs> go for Gretzky it. Said, Gretzky said, I read this. He said, I liked baseball more than I liked hockey. And I put my hockey gear away every year and brought my baseball gear out for that season. And when baseball season was over, I put my baseball gear away and brought my hockey gear back out. People think that Gretzky just played hockey year-round. He didn't. He, and he also said he loved hockey. He loved baseball because he thought it was a thinking man's game because you have a lot of time in between the action to think and to think about what you're going to do with the ball and all that. And also mentally masturbate is what I call it, where you're hurting with your confidence and you're starting to you know, self-doubt. And, and he said in hockey it's just, you know, there's no time to think. There's no time to have a negative thought. It's just bang, the puck's time. So – I thought that was an interesting take from a guy who's arguably the greatest hockey player that ever walked the earth. Damn. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's tremendous. I, I've never even – I've never heard that story, but I think more people need to hear that story. Yeah. yeah. And you know he played in the minor leagues. Correct? Yeah, with the Cubs. Yeah, he, was he, a, he, he was a high draft pick out of Oaks yeah. Christian here in Southern California. Now, um, yeah. uh, Tolly, did you deal with Pat at all when you were the Blue Jays? Yeah. So what, Pat, how you did, were the yeah, I was. Right, I, I was there in eleven and thirteen. Okay. Right, he was our bull, he was our bullpen coach. Okay, now a stupid question: What does a bullpen coach do? Uh, just answers the phone, gets the guy hot, tells him who's gonna who he's gonna face, potentially who he could face off the bench. Um, hey, you're more kind of a, you're kind of like a pitching psychiatrist too. Like you're trying to help yeah. these guys stay confident, especially the guys that don't get to pitch a lot. You know, and you I, know. The I, way I have, run, oh yeah, go ahead. I, I I have a question for you. For you being a starter, uh, yeah. For you being a starter, how was it trying to calm those guys down in those uh, seven, eight, nine uh, inning guys? Like, I mean, not that you have to tell a closer much because they like a Casey Danson that we had there at the time. He knew what he had to do, so you just say, hey, "Hey, Casey, you're hot. Get hot or whatever." I mean, Dude, I, just, the, like, I handed Casey the ball and got out of the way. <laughs> That's what I did. I don't, you yeah. know, he's a big. He was a great big league pitcher when I had him, man. I just got the ball. What do you need? He did. He tell me. I'm not over coaching. That guy can self coach. He didn't. Yeah. You know. Hey, you know what the best part was uh, about this? Uh, Josh and Beto is uh, this guy would get the bullpen guys fired up. He has starter's mentality, so he'd always come in and be like, "Listen," he'd be like, "Rick, listen to what uh, what what the guys are going to tell you," because he'd always be like. Why, why is it so tough for you guys to get three outs? We get fucking 21. We get, <laughs> we get 21. Why is it so hard for you guys to get three or one? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I told that. Zip, you know, remember Zepp? I yeah. told Zepp, because he was a starter in my league. He's like, dude, you've been getting 18, 20 outs your whole life. I go, now you got to get three? I'm like, come on, dude. I'm like, let's <laughs> keep it simple, man. Pound it with that slider. Hey, you would get Casey so fired up, man. I remember Ganson be like, Fucking paddles over there saying like, "What's so hard about getting three outs? You guys get twenty one, and it's like, well, it's 
got we if we go seven innings, we get, we get twenty-one. If we go eight, we get twenty-four. <laughs> you gotta get, you gotta get me and Jansen on this one again because okay. we used to go like this. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Argumentative like me, and we both were strong-willed uh, personality. We try to stick up. Yeah, it's funny. I love Jansen, oh. man. We have together. He's a smart guy. It was it was it was fun, man. Because he would, like I said, again, Pat came from a Spurs mentality, so he'd always be like, Dude, "Rick, like they don't, they just don't get it. They get mad. They get mad because I bring it up and say, hey, it's easy to get.' Uh, or we just went out and got twenty-one outs. Well, how hard is it for you to get one out, or two out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. I love this one. Here's a one-out story, buddy. Groom's pitching with me in Baltimore. I go six in the third, or I go six and two-thirds. He comes in and and uh, throws one pitch and gets Bobby Higginson to roll over and gets me out of the inning. We go in and he's icing. I said, "You gotta be shitting me, dude! You're icing. You do one pitch." I get and and I said, "I just I was just out there. I got 120 pitches. I could barely lift up my arm." And he and, and you know, Buddy and I were good friends. I could do that, and he didn't take it the wrong way. That's you know, you got to know who you're talking to yeah. before you can yeah. do something like. That. Buddy and I were good buddies at the time. Yeah, but still, so, ice really one pitch. Oh yeah. I, Busting his balls, it was so funny. I'm like, "Come on, man, you're icing one pitch." Yeah, Tolly, I, I can see, it. I can see Tolly as the bullpen coach, getting yeah, people yeah, fired up. I put my shin guards on. I would have my shin guards on. I'd be the extra catcher. We only have to hire one bullpen catcher. You pay me a little bit more, and I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny when I interviewed with Barry, he said to me, he said, "I never interviewed for a thing in my life." And the GM called me and said, "Would you put your mind with your name in the hat to be the bullpen coach?" And I was like, whoa, you know, I'd never coached full-time. To start out in the big leagues, I was like, holy shit. So I'm, I go to interview in Ann Arbor, Michigan with John, and it was just two pitchers talking shop, man. It couldn't have been an easier interview. And it went pretty good, and I, I just remember being a little nervous about it. But, yeah, you know, taking that bullpen job, you, you'd uh, you'd love it, Josh. I think, Ricky, you'd love it too. It's a great oh, job. I would 100% do it. 100% yeah. do it. Yeah. I, I mean, you got to have – like you said you gotta be you gotta you gotta have a good communication with guys, which I feel like I do, and yeah. and you, like you said, you gotta keep it fun and, and and stay out of the way. Like you said, stay out of the way. You you gotta know who the guys are. That hey, what do you need from me? Boom, that's it. I'm out. Yeah. Well, you also have to be able to hear the phone ring. We had a bullpen coach that couldn't hear the phone. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on! Yeah, yeah. It's just—it's an inside joke. Everybody knows it. It, it was hilarious. Drop, drop, drop! Bailed us out multiple times. I think we <laughs> ringing for five minutes. Hey, hey Pat, <laughs> we had doing this in the dugout. Yeah. We had drop on this podcast, and it was one of the most popular episodes. Yeah, dude. everyone loved his stories. I loved and, drop. Drop, yeah. drop, was good. drop was better than an assistant coach for me. Drop was an equal with me, if not more so. He was so experienced. I told everybody back then they're lucky they have him. He's a hard yeah. worker, and loyal guy, and and uh, he'd do anything for the Blue Jays. And he's a heck of a bullpen catcher, and he could literally be the bullpen coach. I've been saying that for years. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we had a easy. <clears throat> easy. Yeah. Let's see easy. here. Let me go back and look. Um, we had go, uh, episode fifteen. So if you guys are new to the podcast, go back and look at it on the iTunes or Spotify. Episode 15, we did this one two years ago before COVID. We actually went to uh, Alex Andriopoulos' hotel room. Yeah. They had just gotten in, and I, I don't know this guy. I just know that his name is uh, Drop. He's the bullpen catcher, and Ricky's like, you're going to love him. I'm like, why are we interviewing a Greek-Canadian bullpen catcher? He's like, he's going to have great stories. I walk into the room, and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing here so fucking early? I'm like, bro, it's, uh, 
It's like, nice to meet you. It's 11. Yeah. <laughs> like, and also, you set up the time. And he's like, wow, what the fuck? I got a great hangover. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great uh, podcast. I'm about to edit a lot. And he's like, I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. He's like, okay, you're a Mexican too? I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, great. And he's like, oh, my hermano. Yeah. One of the one of the most downloaded podcasts we've had. So it's episode 15. Go back and listen to that one on the Let's Go Ricky Roll on iTunes and Spotify. Fantastic, man. Anything else, Rick? Real quick, did, you ever, did Dropper tell you a story when he'd move into a hotel and check in? They would say he'd get there and they thought he was Alex Anthopoulos, the general manager. He had a massive suite with all kinds of food and <laughs> yeah. that, that would happen. I did. Yeah. yeah, Drop would tell me. Drop, drop would tell me yeah. all. Like it would happen quite a few times, right? Yeah, it happened a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? I never, I never knew that. Of course, he wouldn't say anything either. He'd be like, "All right." Why not? Yeah, he, 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 would, he would order more. Yeah. As you should. As you should. All right. So, uh, Rick, anything else? No. I mean, we could we good. for another hour easily. We could. But. We, we could. But Tony's got to get back on the roof and go build that schoolhouse. Uh, yeah. He, he's going to run out of service right now. I, but I got to go drive his wife nuts. Be like, hey, wait, already? You're done? <laughs> uh, this is a, the, the, my last question for you, Pat. Of the teammates that you played with, what's some of the cool memorabilia you kept, if any? Um, I have um, I have bats from my All-Star game, my World Series rings, the Cy Young. I wasn't a huge memorabilia guy. I do have an autographed uh, Maddox jersey behind me. You can't oh, see nice. it. I have, Maddox is one of my favorite players. I do have a Clemens signed jersey when he was with Boston before I played with him. Um, I got a cool Brett Favre jersey because my agent represents Mike Holmgren. And, um, you know, I wasn't a big member of you guys. You know, the guy that collected it all was David Wells, uh, Boomer, who I just saw in Florida. We had dinner and golf, but he, uh, he's got a ton of memorabilia. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. That's the reason I asked that because it's like, you know, Ricky doesn't have much and totally doesn't have much, but it's the stuff that you do keep, it really means more to you. Like, you know, Ricky, I yeah. think, has. Uh, you know, the stuff that he has in his man cave, certain players, yeah. like, they're the ones that mean to him. And I, I know Tolly's talked about, you know, the, the paintings that he's going to get sent his way eventually. It will be all right. <laughs> hey, Pat, you, you threw a no-hitter, right? No. No, never no. threw a no-hitter. All no, right. Uh, two-hitter, um, finished complete game, shot out two-hitter, but that was close to ever came. Pat, if you yeah. had thrown a no-hitter, what would you have? I did have a no-hitter into the seventh in Oakland, but the guy hit a line ball down to lead off the seventh. If you did throw a no-hitter, hypothetically, what would you yeah. get your catcher? You know what, man? I was so not thoughtful. Charlie O'Brien still busts my balls to this day. You didn't give me shit for the year we won the Cy Young, man. Oh! <laughs> I get a fucking... Oh, my gosh. I know. Dude, that's embarrassing. I know. Thank God he's a good friend and doesn't bust my chops too bad man. But yeah, I didn't get him squat, man. Nothing. Okay, the I reason I drilled Movon that day, and Charlie—I never finished that story. Charlie got drilled later that game. He came in and damn near kicked my ass, butt naked in the shower. You know, because <laughs> he wore it after I got taken out of the game. Same exact thing. I drilled Movon. They retaliated once I got taken out of the game. Like in the eighth inning, I was out of the game, and then Charlie came steaming into me. You motherfucker, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> the the reason we say that is because uh, Joe Musgrove was on the podcast a couple weeks ago and he talked about how he got his uh, catcher a beautiful uh, painting of the last out and uh, so oh. Joe came through and he's like I got he said on the podcast I'm gonna get him a nice painting and there else Josh you caught a no hitter right yeah whose was it 
and I, and I caught a Cy Young too. Johan threw the no hitter, and I caught RA the year he won the Cy Young. And uh, I guess the stuff got lost in the mail, but that's fine. <laughs> well, Ari, I understand. I don't know about Johan. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Johan, a- Johan, Johan has a painting at his house. He said, Poppy, I'm going to send it to you. I, I text him my address about every other week. Ari, I can understand. I think everyone knows why. Yeah. It's, <laughs> The reason I bring that up is because it's a running joke with Tolly about like you know, hey, is that painting show up? You know, is it here, Poppy? Is it? You know, he he. Ch- so that's that's what it is. It, it's only been what, seven years. Those pictures weren't as thoughtful. They're not thoughtful. You know, Pat wasn't yeah. thoughtful. So maybe Johan and and Ra weren't thoughtful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just got something. I just I don't know. Like I about earlier, I didn't give the coach. I didn't give the coach any credit either. You know, players are just... Well, they so didn't throw it. Hell. Attaboy, <laughs> <laughs> Tully. Yeah, attaboy, yeah. Tully. Yeah, I love it. Dude, we, we bring this up every single week. I'm going to start saying it in Spanish. That way, eventually, it's going to get back to Johan, and he's going to be looking at that picture yeah. that he has on his wall. But, you know, let me send it to my friend, Tully, my amigo. Yeah, that might be for Tully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, right. yeah Pat, you know, real quick... Um, I know we said wrap it up, but you're, you're really good, man. Your stories are awesome. And once again, I said, we're not going to talk about current baseball. But where did you play in Venezuela? Because we have a lot of Latino listeners. We have actually our numbers are growing in South America. I sent it to you guys. So what did you do in Venezuela? I and mean, you played there in the 80s? Uh, no. So I would have been there in like 90 and 91. Oh, or shit. No, 92. Fuck. Triple A years or triple A year, I went to winter ball. And then my first big league season, I went back to winter ball. And can you believe that I spent a year in big leagues? And I had to go back to winter ball. I'm like, That's what? Right. I'm like, what? I got to go back because I only threw 50 innings as long reliever in '92, and then Gil, it's like you got to throw more innings, man. You know, here's starters, so they made me go on. So I was in Barquisimeto. It was beautiful. The weather was unreal. The hotel was beautiful, and I was on the roster when I pitched and off the roster when I wasn't pitching. It was like the golden <laughs> treatment. I didn't even have to go to the ballpark when I wasn't pitching, man. That was a beautiful place. I brought my girlfriend who's now my wife she came down stay with me for like a month and then the second year i went down i kind of knew what to expect and i wasn't there as long but yeah beautiful barquisimeto and the fans and the stadium that was awesome man. you guys ever played there I totally did i did i did shit's wild i played it's in Caracas. oh my god it yeah. was so Soon much fun trace. Soon trace. Soon <laughs> oh, my favorite. Yeah. Hey, 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 i have to say other than the playoffs in 15 and 16 that was probably some of the most exciting baseball I've ever played in my life. 100%. I mean, you know they talk about the upper deck syndrome? Go to winter ball. That'll get that yeah. out of your way. Because that's like pitching in yeah. the upper deck crowd. That's a hostile crowd. They're great, man. They're so loud. Yeah. Throw up those plastic cups and do the wave. Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, Pat, you know they pee. Hey, you know, so what they do is they have the whiskey in the bottle, then they, they drink it, and then they pee in the cups and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's really? True. That's what they do? Yeah. I thought they only did that for soccer yeah. in Mexico. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, now, yeah. Now, now, Pat, you're a kid from 8 Mile going down to Venezuela. Like, scared? No, man. And I was not – I did not grow up in 8 Mile. I was trying to <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah. I grew up in 7 Mile. 15 Mile, man. 15 Mile. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you you weren't scared going down there? You know what? Um I was only because of the language barrier. Okay. wasn't scared for any other reason. I'm just not bilingual, and I knew that I was going to struggle if someone didn't help me. But other than that, there was no issue at all. But People they, were great. The women were beautiful. 
The color skin, wow, beautiful. I mean, just <laughs> I remember thinking the color skin, they're beautiful. Everybody was, yeah. Everybody's just beautiful. Down there. And the baseball is crazy. They love it. Like, totally still a legend down there. Yeah. Hey, Derek Bell's a legend. He came down there and announced in the paper, hey, I'm looking for my wife to take home. Man, that <laughs> remember, this was before Twitter, man. Yeah, they were lined up, huh? They the were lined up. Had, yeah, the only voice you had was the newspaper back then, right? And and he popped off and said that the girls were lined up, man. You were right. Yeah. Derek Bell, sly like a fox, boy. But, but now, that's a – I'm really curious about that area, too, because you went down there. You said you would get a, a week-old paper – so you really go down there and you have to perform because if you don't pitch well, like Tolly told the story, if you don't perform, you're gone. So you're basically cut off from the rest of the world, aren't you? Especially yeah, you were like it was like a couple days delay, I think, at the time when I was there. It wasn't a yeah. week. It wasn't. It was a good day or two. But but the point was that yeah, you're right. It's super competitive, and and we all knew that, and we all knew you could set your ass home. You do well. That's another reason why it was a great experience because you're pitching under pressure yeah. with your hair on fire in front of a hostile crowd. You know that that's that was really good part of my development. That's I'm it. with you, Pat. You learn you learn to lock it lock it right in. You yeah. do, and you realize how beautiful we have it in in America, and you know, yeah. and, and you, I, I remember that being a big eye opener for me as a young guy going down there, not really being very experienced in, in the globe. That's uh, that, that's great. That's yeah. great. I mean, it, that's where you hear a, a lot of American guys who go down there and play. They're like. Dude, it's just you. You start understanding the culture. You start understanding why Latin players enjoy coming, or being in the big leagues, and why there's you know they're, they're they have, they love to have fun. They're dancing. They're listening to music. Right. This is how over there and in, 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 in the Venezuelas and Dominicans, the Mexicos of the world. It's just they they just love life and and they're happy that they're in the big leagues that they're playing pro ball in the minors. It don't matter. Like you just you can always tell the Latin guys are always into their music, dancing, and, and it's a big part of their culture. There it is. Yeah. <clears throat> there it is. Pat, Pat it, w- it was uh, so good that your baseball reference doesn't even have any mention of you playing in Venezuela. So, And I'm pretty good at finding everything out, but I didn't find you. You don't, you don't exist in Venezuela. So in Barquisimiento, you'll be all right. Yeah. There it is. Pat Hankin, we appreciate it. Um, do you have social media, anything to promote, or, or are you just hanging out on your farm? You, me? Yeah. No, no. I, I have a small – I just have Twitter. I don't, I don't do any – I don't tweet much. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you just occasional like you just yeah. see the occasional. I follow. Uh, you see the occasional like I love watching that guy play, like a certain pitcher, or I love watching him pitch. You know, and you just yeah. see the occasional uh, Pat Hankin. Uh, you know, his oh, timing yeah. in on something. Know my handle. I had to look it up. Is that what they call it? A handle? <laughs> <laughs> Stay that way, Pat. No, Stay no. that way. Pat, Stay Pat, that way. Pat, yeah. Stay that and way. The handle, the handle is what you drink up at the farm on the weekend. That's the handle. How about that other handle? Hey, Tony, we got you guys. Don't worry about it. We got uh, you. Get my address. There it is. All right, All right, uh, Pat, I loved it. This yeah, was awesome. This was awesome, Pat. Okay. Really, do, really do appreciate it. Uh, really good, man. Uh, Ricky, Thanks, totally. We'll we'll definitely okay. do this. Well, Pat, we're doing this again. We're gonna call you in a couple. We might even just call you like. For like five minutes just to hear one story and then hang up on you all one right, day. Yeah. Hey, hey, well, next time you, and you get Jansen on there, let me do, I'll do a sneak in cameo and we'll argue for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he needs Let's it too. It. I love it. All right, Ricky and Pat, don't hang up. Yeah, uh, cool. I mean, uh, no, Ricky and Tolly, don't hang up. Pat, we appreciate you. So all you have to do is hang up on your computer and we're, you're done. 
Okay, thanks, guys. See ya. All right. <laughs> Pink is gone, man. Hey, Dude. You can see my, wanna see, I can show oh, you. Oh, hold on. Oh, okay, good. Go for it. Go for it. If you're on the YouTube, you can watch. Live, are we? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're still here. Oh. No, hold on. I'll show you. Like, he learned how to use it. Oh, that's nice. No, no, no. It hasn't even caught up yet, has it? It's all blurry on my end. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, there it is. Let hey. me turn the camera around. Uh, I guess you don't Who's, want to do that either. Who spikes? Shoeless Joe. Those are mine, brother. Those are sick. Oh, my now, bad. Those are the ones I pitched in. Those are the ones I pitched in. My bad. I saved them. Look how old school, man. I love they it. They make them like this anymore, do they? Yeah. No, uh, the, old the, old Cooper, the old Cooper Towns, I think, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, like, they're so, like, God, look at them. They almost look like when I was playing, like, an old Spalding. You almost started laughing. Dude, <laughs> he's got the, 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 the dipped toe and everything. That's when you know. All right, man. Okay. All right, thanks, Pat. All right, Pat, appreciate it. Dude, how appreciate tall is Pat. he? Is he, like, 6'8"? Like, that? that. <laughs> Pat, nah. Yeah. Dude, that was good. Rick, you were right, man. You were telling me he's going to have some good stories. He's ready to go. That was real good. That was look. We, we did an hour twenty with him. Like I know he wasn't expecting that. No, I don't think he was. <laughs> yeah, he, he was worried. He, he texted me yesterday, Josh, and he's like, "Hey, man, just so you know, I don't know any of the current players, so don't ask me anything about that." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, this was. Uh, I, yeah. And, we're and we're still live. The podcast is still going right now. And everybody that was leaving comments and questions, agreeing at bad and Marco, appreciate it. But I didn't want to ask. Pat, any questions? Because he was on such a roll. I didn't want to interrupt too much. Yeah, he's he's one of the best storytellers I've ever been yeah. around. Yeah, I, I would be yeah. in tears eating dinner after a game with this guy and just telling stories. Holy shit, I laughed yeah. so hard. I, I can only imagine having a, a couple of pops with them and then uh, hearing the really R-rated version of the stories. Because yeah, uh, be, somebody said you got to get Casey Jensen on here. So yeah, so everybody, we need you guys to go and uh, if you're watching this, post on your Instagram, uh, tag the Let's Go Ricky Roll Instagram page, uh, go on iTunes, you know, Spotify, rate review, and just share it. We need you to start telling people how good the podcast is. And I'm not saying this because I'm a host and I'm doing doing all the work, but damn, I go back and listen to it, like when I'm driving the kids to school, or whatever. We have a good fucking podcast. Like, I'm not bragging about it, but it is really, really good because you can listen to so many different baseball versions that are good, but there's nothing like us as just telling stories. And, dude, yeah. hearing Ricky Henderson and Cal Ripken doesn't want to high-five you stories, like, we're like you, you're not going to get that anywhere else. The Mike, the Mike Messina All-Star Sports, <laughs> I, always, I always had heard that Cito Gaston was hated in Baltimore, and I always wondered why. And he obviously was there. He knows the story, so that's why I wanted him to retell it. The Roger Clemens story, I mean, you, that's you really don't hear, you know, and and and, and it's cool, man. I, I mean, it's like they, they it's crazy. The old school mentality, what what it meant to them to protect their players, their hitters yeah. and certain things like that. Like they took it like, hey, I, it's my responsibility if I'm a starter to make sure that I, I, I protect my guys. I mean, his catcher wanted to whoop his ass because <laughs> and then he's out of the game and. Yeah, I mean, it's just all that stuff. Like they, they, they took it too hard. It was, it was a different era and a different time in in, in baseball. I miss it. Yeah, <clears throat> Tolly, what do you got coming up this week? I'm, all, I'm off to Syracuse. Actually, I got to go get my. Uh, I got to go to CVS. I got to go to Verizon. Then I got to go to Syracuse, and uh, uh, that's it. Then I'm, I'm putting Ash Flooring in. Me and my father-in-law are <laughs> dialing in the Ash Ford. It's almost done. He might be listening right now. He's so excited to, to tune in while he's while he's uh, laying the ash floor. 
Oh, he was he he can watch while he, see. This is the podcast of the working man. If you're building a farm, we got you. If you're we on the beach, you. we got you. We got you. If to- you're to- in the car, we got you. Totally. What what is an ash floor? An ash floor, ash trees. All of our ash trees are dying here. We have we have an emerald ash borer in all the trees, so they're cutting them down. They're milling them for flooring. So we got some. Ricky, translate. <laughs> uh, we do get a, and this is I'm gonna rip it up here. Um, we do get comments on the Instagram. People send private messages, and I forget to text them to you sometimes, totally. But they love the addition of Josh totally to the podcast, uh, especially catchers. Uh, you give me advice, all kinds of good information. We love that you're on. Um, I've been tagging your wife on Instagram. That way she can repost for us. So yeah, what I what I've noticed is that we're starting to get uh, East Coast followers from upstate New York. And I'm like, yeah, she's doing a good job. Then she, she no, we, we're, we're getting them, but I'm like, these poor yoga ladies or Pilates ladies are like following, supporting Catherine's husband, but they don't realize it's going to be just a bunch of posts about baseball guys. So like, so we appreciate the followers. This is a, Ricky, what's yeah, up with you this week? What do you got? T-ball? We got T-ball on Friday. Yeah. Um, and then just golf, golf. We have uh, our babysitter here the next two days, so. I wish I had your life, guys. Totally. <laughs> you guys are lucky. All right. Well, we'll send you a picture tomorrow, Tolly. I got new yeah, beers. Do that. <laughs> do All right, that. everybody. Uh, Farmer Tolly, Rick and Mara, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening for Good another job. edition of the podcast. Adios, people.